on this snowy Sunday morning edition of the Grind Hours podcast. It's all, it's all brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Ticket going fans, that, that, include, that encompasses everybody. If you're not using my, my code in 2020, you, you are, you're on something. You're not doing your life correctly. Get SeatGeek, download it, it's free. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get $20 off your first purchase and get in the building. Whether that's John Mulaney's rescheduled Toronto show or an impending, impending Yankees Astros game. Or maybe you want to go to a playoff game. Maybe you're in Kansas City or San Francisco and and you want to get in the game. You're waking up this morning and you're like, you know what I would want to do? I'd want to get in, I want to go to see a football game. So wake up, put my code in, go to the game. Again, let's go to GrindArts, check out at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. The Hall of Famer is on the line. Um... Oh, it's great to be here. And we we planned it out last night because it snowed here in the Northeast. It, I'm still upstate. Um, and it, it was a snowy night. But the roads are fine this morning. And just because we're both lazy, I, I don't want him to drive over here. And uh, I'm sure he just woke up. He just woke up like I did. That is correct. We're recording <laughs> this at 930 on a Sunday morning. Uh, th- this podcast doesn't sleep. Just because it's a weekend doesn't mean we can't record. Um, we've reco- This is probably the earliest on a weekend that we've ever recorded. Yep. Um, we've done like 7 a.m. before. We have done like 7 a.m. before, but that was definitely during the week. Yeah. 100%. But enough about us. Enough about us. Let, let's transition to the game that happened what feels like a month ago. Because of all the news that happened over the course of this week, the national championship game in college football, LSU versus Clemson, um, amazing game. Yeah, and looking at it six days afterwards, it again it feels like it happened a month ago. It feels like LSU has been drinking champagne, sh- smoking cigars, getting fake cash. And playing neck for a month, which yep. really quickly off the bat, yeah. the the OBJ thing because we have to talk about that at some point. So let's just knock it off here at the top. Yeah, what is he doing? I mean, I get like repping your school and wanting to be wanting to be a part of it, but to bring yourself into the celebration like you're part of the team. That's overstepping in my eyes a little bit too much. I love OBJ, and I love that he loves his school. But I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought. I just thought it was kind of like. I thought it was funny that like. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I think. I think he's so depressed about being in Cleveland. <laughs> that he's he's latching on to. He's he's slowly realizing that of his own is not going to happen anytime soon. So he's latching on to the seeds of, of what he can get from his college experience. Well, yeah, the, but That's the, what I think is happening. Put this in like everyday term, like everyday people. Like if your school, let's say, I don't know, is a Division two school and you were like one of the best athletes 
at your school during mm-hmm. the time that you were there. They win a championship five, six years, eh, six years removed from the last time that he played. Mm-hmm. And he's there celebrating like he just won it. It's it's a little when you when you look at it in that level, it's a little sad. And I, I I'm fine with him going on the field and you know celebrating because I'm sure he's spent a lot of time with those guys off of the field at some point during the year, whether mm-hmm. that be in the summer during two a days or just like in contact with the guys because he's always around there and then go visit them on the bye week or whatever. I'm sure he's yeah. spent a lot of time with those guys or worked out with them in the, in the, in the off season, whatever. Being on the field is one thing. Going into the locker room is a whole nother thing. And I'm, Coach O probably wasn't going to say no because he was probably incapacitated from just the pure excitement and joy that comes with winning a championship. But right. to go into the locker room, like Landry was there too. You, you didn't see him at all. And he reps his school big too. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I don't, like, I, it didn't bother me, but like, it is, you're right, it is kind of weird that like, like, come on, man. Grow up. Why are you latching onto this so hard? Grow up. Just, that's all. You can celebrate. It's your school. You're a proud alum. That's fine. There was millions of proud alums in the in the stands, I'm sure, on Monday night. But they didn't storm the field. It was like me walking into the locker room. Right. I'd be like, who is this guy? Imagine, you know, five years from now when... You have your own program, or you're you're coaching for a different program, and Ock wins a Division Three title and is celebrating, and you just show up like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Like you never left. Yeah. No, uh, it would be weird, and and the players would probably. I'm, I'm sure the most of the players don't mind, but like, they, there probably are some that feel some type of way about it. Oh yeah, there's probably some offensive linemen like, what the hell is OBJ doing in our locker room right now? Like, like we we appreciate that you went here and we appreciate all your support, but this this moment is kind of for us. Yeah, you this is this is ours. You never you didn't catch a pass this season. What are you doing here? You had <laughs> you didn't your catch chance. A pass in the NFL either. You had your chance. You got blown <laughs> out by Alabama in the same building. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't, I forgot about that, but yeah, they, that was a super dope also. Um, transitioning to what actually happened on the field, I thought Clemson was going to show up a little bit more. They played well in the first cor- in the first half, and a lot more towards the first quarter than the second quarter, but... They just they sort of slowly unraveled as the entire game went on. LSU just kept getting consistent pressure on Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence started to struggle, and he looked like a quarterback that had never lost a game before. Um, yeah, he didn't. It, 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 it was almost like he didn't know how to to handle it because yeah. the, the last time that he lost was like midway through his senior year of high school. Because I'm pretty sure he won. His state championship. Yep. So he hasn't. Joel, 
Joel Klatt made an excellent point on um, the Cowherd show. Good friend of the show, Colin Cowherd. And good friend of the show, Joel Klatt. Yes, sir. Uh, but he made an excellent point about Trevor Lawrence, that this is this is probably the first time ever in his career that he played in a football game and wasn't the best quarterback on the field. Or best player, because, I mean, you look at that yeah. national championship game a year ago, it, unequivocally, he was the best player. Yeah. You look at the game and against he, Ohio State, unequivocally, he was the best player. It, there's yeah. no deca- there's no discussion. There, there's absolutely exactly. no and discussion. When he was in high school, no one was close to his level. I mean, he was winning quarterback awards at camps and stuff as a sophomore competing against senior players. And in the ACC, no one is touching him because there's no program that's even in the same stratosphere as Clemson is right now. So this was probably the first time ever in his life that he was on a football field and wasn't the best player. And he looked like somebody who didn't quite know what to do with that situation. So I think this loss is actually going to be really beneficial for him. He's a hardworking kid. He's a smart kid. I think he's going to use this as motivation and come back even stronger and say, I'm, I don't want to look like this again. It was a humbling experience, I think. And I think he's going to come back stronger than ever. But can we talk about LSU? Because this team, is is this team, has this team approached 95 Nebraska, 01 Miami levels of, of legendary? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I mean, the, they're the first team ever to beat all four of the preseason top four in one season. I, I will get to that in a minute, and we'll talk historical in a minute. Last thing I want okay. to say on Clemson is I think it's also a humbling experience for Dabo as well. Um, I'm not going to sit here and just not talk about Dabo. Uh, it was 972 days from his last loss until Monday night. So mm-hmm. it was a long time that he had to maneuver through a game that he was losing, and they weren't the better team. Which, right. if I mean, if you steamroll for almost two years, just steamroll people, or almost three years actually, just steamroll people, and then you meet somebody that is doing what you do to other teams, to yourself, it's going to take some time to remember how to navigate a losing game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a real thing. If you, if you haven't lost in a while, and then you're losing, I mean, look at it from the, from the prism of the UConn women's basketball team. I mean, there are girls that never lost a game in their life, and then right. it comes crashing down, and you're like, well, I don't know how to take this. And I, I'm sure Clemson's going to wear this on their chest a lot next year and they're just they're not going to be afraid of it they are they're going to understand it and they're going to use it as just another patch on them and they're they're now going to be the underdog i mean yeah they they use that that term loosely because i mean they were the champs and i wasn't overlooking them i thought they should have been number one all year and i think lsu until they until they lose next year, should be number one. I, I don't understand the 
the notion around college football or just in college sports in general, or in sport, actually just broader scope in sports in general, if a team wins the championship and then doesn't lose the belt until either the last game of the year or further into the playoffs, they're still the champs until they're unbeat, until they get beat, until they're no longer able to compete for the championship. They're still the champs and they should still be looked at as the champs. And all the talk of LSU being number one, Ohio State being number one, they're great teams. I'm not going to say sit here and say they're not. The, this year they weren't great teams. But Clemson won the championship, then didn't lose the entire year until they just got beat by LSU. Come on. What are we, ta- like, what are we talking about here? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. And I think you're right. They're going to be back in the thick of things right next year. I mean, there's not going to be any drop-off there. No, they got the best recruiting class and the best quarterback in the country. Yeah, they're probably going to be the favorites to win the title, and they will be the underdogs in a sense. Because, and we know how we know how great Dabo is at motivating his team by playing the underdog card. They absolutely love that down there. <clears throat> All right, let's let's transition to LSU. And talk about who do you want to talk about first, Coach O or or Joe Burrow? Well, we can. For, I I think everybody in the world has said um, talked about Joe Burrow already. I mean, he said he had an amazing game. He was responsible for all six of the touchdowns, either running or passing. Absolutely put the team on his back. Um, Set NCAA records for complete uh, for quarterback rating and uh, touchdowns. Sixty touchdowns in one season. That beat um, Colt Brennan's record. And you have to remember, Colt Brennan set that record in an air raid offense in Hawaii against um, like Mountain West teams. Joe Burrow set this record against SEC defenses at a whole host of number one, number two, number three, number four, number six, number seven teams that they were going up against. So I mean, they're... <coughs> Sorry. I mean, amazing, amazing. Cole Brennan n- never, ever played a team that was half as decent as Auburn. Yes, exactly. And then, Actually, they did. They did. They played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl and got absolutely destroyed. Well, they didn't. He didn't beat a team half as decent as Auburn, and then he couldn't. I'm pretty sure if he walked into T Town in Alabama and had to go win a game on the road, he would shit his pants. I'm yeah, I think so. This team didn't didn't at all blink, all at at all throughout no. the entire year, and. And they had great players at every single position. I mean, even taking Joe Burrow out of the equation, Clyde edwards Elair, the muscle hamster, like he was a fucking beast at the running back position. Both of the wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, who's probably going to be a first-round pick this year, Jamar Chase, who I think is returning to school and will probably be the, the top wide receiver taken next year. Oh, boy. I mean, these guys all during the game were like, – the yards after catch, I haven't seen the statistic. I haven't been able to find the statistic. But the yards after catch for LSU in that game must have been like some kind of record. 
because they would get hit and then drag the guy with them for like seven more yards. Like, I didn't think Jefferson played that it. well. I thought I thought Chase played incredible, and mm-hmm. I haven't watched. And Thaddeus Moss, shout out, uh, shout out Thaddeus Moss. Oh, if you don't take that dude, and I mean, I want him. A, I love um, Ryan Griffin and uh, Chris Herndon, but. I want Thaddeus Moss. I mean, who else wouldn't want Randy Moss's son, but the dude's a tight end? Yeah. That's Gronk. Yeah. You're drafting Gronk. And then the defense was able to get pressure all night. Um, I, I, I have an interesting thought about Joe Burrow because... Okay. I think this guy is the most pro-ready quarterback that I've seen since Cam Newton. I want to get your take on this. This guy has run an... Joe Brady is an NFL guy. He's returning to the Panthers, speaking of Cam yeah. Newton. Yep. He, so he was. He came from the Saints. He's going to the Panthers now. Joe Brady's an NFL guy. This was an NFL offense that Joe Burrow was running. He ran an NFL offense against the best defenses in America. He played Clemson the best defense. He played Alabama, great defense. He played Auburn, great defense. The only team with a great defense, he played Georgia, great defense. The only team really with a a top-tier defense that he didn't play was Ohio State, and that was only because he didn't have the opportunity to do so. Um, This guy has run an, um, an NFL offense for 15 games against NFL ta- multiple multiple teams with tons of NFL talent and set records every step of the way in the process. He's he's 23 years old and the the most impressive thing to me about Joe Burrow is um I've heard people compare him to Joe Montana because he is he he throws he throws an amazingly catchable ball and he is not phased by anything in the pocket. Clemson did a better job than anybody else all season at putting pressure on him, getting in his face, putting him on the ground, and it had no effect. He was stone cold. He just kept standing up there and taking it, kept throwing it. It did not matter to him at all. It did not phase him at all. I think this guy is going to be a stud at the next level, and I think he's the most pro-ready I've seen since Cam Newton, who did a lot of Cam and Joe Burrow actually have very comparable seasons. They both came in. They, they weren't great before. They, they were okay. But they came in that one year. They had a miracle run, won the Heisman, won a bunch of records, won the national championship, go number one in the draft. And Cam has had a pretty solid career. He was very pro-ready, as we saw in 2011 in Carolina. So I think Joe Burrow has a chance to do the same thing. <coughs> The um, sorry, I'm I'm all over the place today. Uh, um, the dude that I would compare Joe Burrow to, and I mean, just some revisionist history. I was n- going into the draft and his Heisman year. I wasn't a big Cam fan. I am now because I saw a game his rookie year, and I was like, "Well, I was dead wrong." I'm hopping on this on this guy's bandwagon and not getting off. To, to save my life, I, I'm in with this dude. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think he was all that great in college, and I was 
rooting against him in every uh, just because I didn't like him. I, I just I didn't like Cam. I, I I didn't think he was good. And I mean, I was wrong. I'm gonna just I was wrong. I think Burrow, in my eyes, because I didn't like Cam in college, he is the most pro-ready quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck. And I think it's th- those two are very comparable players coming out of college. And I know Luck had a better college career than Burrow because Luck did it for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. But I, And had Jim Harbaugh. And had Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he had... Burrow had Coach O. We'll talk about Coach That's, O in okay. a second. We'll talk about Coach O. But Burrow, in my eyes, can do a lot of things that Luck could do coming out of college. And they both ran pro-style offenses. And they both, when they were coming out of college, they look like guys who you can lean on and go, okay, we're good at the quarterback position for 10 to 15 years. We don't got to worry about anything. And, I mean, it, it just didn't work out with Luck, but I think Burrow is that transcendent next generation. Like, he is another guy that in 10 years, it, he's going to be in that class with Mahomes and Watson and, and, and Lamar. He's, I agree. He's the next dude. And I'll say this, as, as a, a lot of people are – are high on um, on Trevor Lawrence. I think he is a very comparable d- guy to um, to my man, Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be the, the upper echelon of the Watsons, the Lamar Jacksons, and the Mahomes. Th- those guys are clearly just so much better than everybody else. That it. I mean, I love... Darnold, but he's the second tier, and I think that's what Lawrence is going to be. But um, I, I would put Joe Burrow at the first tier. Yeah, I would put Burrow in the first tier. I also, it's been so long since we've had like a Tim Tebow sort of moment where I want a guy like Burrow to come back for another year and, and, and dominate. Because mm-hmm. we haven't seen that in a very long time. We're a dude just rips through a year, has a tremendous year, wins the Heisman, wins the title, then comes back to campus and, and is just a god. Yeah. Like, like Tebow, when Tebow like, did that, he came back and he was a god among men. Mm-hmm. And like I... We kind of... We kind of had it with Lamar Jackson, but he wasn't because he came back to school. But he wasn't setting like crazy records. No, he was setting records, but not crazy ones. Tim Tebow was like breaking the the touchdown record. He had first guy of like twenty rushing touchdowns and twenty passing touchdowns, and he was so much more nationally popular than Lamar was. And could like imagine? And the thing I love about Burrow and what he did it during the championship. After the championship trophy was presented, when he's when he just smoking a cigar, when he's just chilling, smoking a cigar with the big dick Joe hat, like, dude, you can be enshrined in any Hall of Fame that I'm associated with. Like, you are a, a top tier dude. Like, he gets it. This I guy knows how to. Huh? As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is the guy I want leading me into battle. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to war with this dude. 
he looked so cool, calm, and just like, I don't have a care in the world. I am at peace that I was just like, go, go get hammered, dude. Like yeah. he does. And I'm sure he did. I'm sure he went to some dive bar in, in, in New Orleans that had a bunch of LSU fans there and they treated him they, like a king and they all bought him a drink and he got plastered partied hard hopefully brought home a nice lady friend this is all speculation by the way yeah we're just we're rooting just, for a dude we're, we're just saying we're just we're just uh, we're not reporters here we're just spectators we're just saying what we would do in this situation <laughs> um yeah i mean and and you know what else i can say about the last thing i'll say about joe burrow the best thing i can say about joe burrow too even after all the praise we've heaped on him and everybody's heaped on him Every game, the best thing I can say about Joe Burrow for a team that's looking to draft him, aka Cincinnati, every game I watched him, he got better. And that's rare with quarterback prospects. Every single time I watched him, he was better than the last time I watched him. It's also, I mean, it's a storybook ending. Like, the dude's from Ohio. Yeah. So, to be cast away by Ohio from State. Athens, Ohio is close to Cincinnati. Right. To be cast away by Ohio State, which in in the state of Ohio is looked at as, I mean, if you go to Ohio State and you're a good player at Ohio State, you are forever loved in, in, in the state of Ohio on a different level than almost every school in the country. Like, I can't think of another school. There's a handful of schools that are like this. But Ohio State in particular, especially football, I mean, yeah. it, it is just, it's put on another tier. And to be cast away by Ohio State, which is literally like shunning people, if, you, if you're not good, if, you, if they don't think you're good enough and you're from there, I mean, it's probably soul-crushing. But to that, yeah. then to go to, to LSU... Have them adopt you as one of your own. I mean, it helps when you got a, a raging Cajun head coach <laughs> that is not afraid of anybody. Yeah. Speaking of guys, I want to lead me into battle. I would. Oh, I would run through a brick wall for Coach L. I would do the same thing for Dabo, but I would run through a brick wall for for, for Coach L. That ham sandwich eating raging Cajun. <laughs> um. Mister, I'm going to bring an entire tray of a hundred crawfish. We will get the to the crawfish story. We will, <laughs> we will get to the crawfish story. Um, but then to come back for, for Burrow, I mean, it's, it's full circle. And I, for me, I don't think I would want to be anywhere else if I'm Burrow. Because in his Heisman speech, he talked about how much his hometown means to him. And to be able to live in Cincinnati, be close to your hometown, and to do stuff like that, I think is just going to be... I mean, he's going to change the aura around the Bengals because through the mid, through the teens, they were looked at as a team that could get to the playoffs but couldn't do anything past the wild card game. And then they were looked at as a team of thugs, the, the way that yep. they played defense and just didn't care about anything else. And he's going to do wonders for that, for that organization. And let's not forget, too, it's a Zach, Zach Taylor is the head coach, and Zach Taylor runs a very similar offense to Joe Brady. They come from the same offensive school. 
So it's literally everything is falling into place for this to be a home run draft pick for the Bengals. And I hope it works out. I wouldn't throw out your stock on Zach Taylor just yet. That's no, just I'm my not. opinion. Like, for all the doubters of of, uh, of Zach Taylor, just can we hold off for another year? Yeah. I mean, he was coaching the Bengals. Yeah. He wasn't really given... He was coaching the Bengals without A.J. Green. Yeah. For a lot of the season. Was, the, the cupboard was less than bare. So... In terms of, of talent. All right. Now let's get to, really, the man of Louisiana. I yes. think we could just don him kingship of Louisiana at this point. The God Emperor of Louisiana. And, I mean, it's another dude where it's it's a homecoming story and it's, it's so fitting and it's only a story that can happen in sports because here's a dude who is from Louisiana who mm-hmm. went to college. I for, It was some like partial state school or whatever it was like yeah, it west mcneesey state or northwestern state or yeah it was it was so it was some state college did got cut from the football team then went home the day after and was like i'm done with school his dad wakes him up at like the wee hours of the morning was like come on son let's go dig ditches for this telephone company and that's what he did for years was he laid telephone wire then yeah. went to um, he was the D-line coach for a couple of schools, made it to the NFL, coached for the Saints, ironically enough, as their D-line coach, went to USC as an assistant coach, won the interim job. And then was passed over at the end of the year. They said, right. you're not USC material. Oh, I'm also missing the, uh, the, Ole Miss, the Ole Miss head coaching hire where he did a Hummer commercial. Yeah. Let's not forget about that. He played himself in the blind side. Yeah, and he like, I mean, he got laughed at by um, by people at Ole Miss. Yeah. And then goes to, to USC, does a great job as the interim in USC. USC spits in his face and says, you're not, you're not one of us. Mm-hmm. Go kick rocks. Goes to LSU. Becomes the D-line coach at LSU. Under Les, Les Miles. Miles, who is a... He is a god in his own sense at LSU. Then when he he got fired, he become Coach O becomes the the interim there, wins the job, recruits his ass off. Yeah, number number three class three years in a row, I believe. And I mean, and every step of the way, remember, even at LSU, people were like, "This isn't going to work." Get the right. clown guy out of here. What is he doing? And he they wanted they wanted Jimbo Fisher. They wanted um. They wanted to bring Dabo away. They wanted all these alternate coaching candidates. They they tried for James Franklin, I think, at one point. And, and no, they didn't want him. And he stuck with it. And he knew that he could do great things. And this is why I love him so much. He he stuck with it. He knew what he brought to the table. He he knew he mo- kept motivating his players. He kept getting the best out of them, and it paid off. He worked so hard for this job. And he lives and breathes purple and gold. He lives and breathes Louisiana. And it's just so, it's, like you said, it's, it can only happen in sports. This guy was the ultimate underdog, the ultimate nobody-wanted-him guy. 
and now he's on top of the world, and he's going to stay on top of the world for a long time. This man never has to buy himself a beer anywhere in the state of Louisiana ever again. He never has to buy himself a ham sandwich anywhere ever again. Or a bucket of crawfish. Yeah, or a bucket of crawfish. Anytime he wants to impress a recruit with a bucket of crawfish like he did with Joe Burrow, you know that they're going to have that stuff ready to go in the back. I bet you every restaurant in LSU now, every every single restaurant in Baton Rouge has buckets upon buckets of crawfish just stashed in the freezer just in case Coach O comes in with a kid and they need to use him. Just in case Ed Ergeron comes busting through the doors. And you'd hear him. I mean, if he enters yep. a room, you'd hear him. I don't care if you're in the state of Louisiana. That dude has a distinctive aura around him that mm-hmm. just you know his presence is in the room for all the right reasons. Let's talk yeah, about the, uh, the, the the bucket of crawfish story, all right? Because you told me okay. this during, I think, halftime of the, uh, of the LSU game, of the, of the championship game on Monday. And, I mean, if you told me this happened, like, it, you told me this happened, and I believed every single word of it because, I mean, it's just, it's so him. Yeah. So, basically, what happened is he was, this was when Joe Burrow was uh, undecided about his transfer spot. Ed Orgeron was trying to recruit him to get him to come to LSU. So, he, find, he says, hey, Joe, have you ever had crawfish before? Uh, hey Joe, have you ever had crawfish before? <laughs> and uh, Joe Joe Burrow says, "No, I've never had crawfish before." Come on now, we got a great crawfish. I, I know a great place for crawfish. Um, so they they go down to this crawfish place, and you know they go in, and he's he the waiter comes over, and he said, "Oh, we'll have the crawfish, both of us." And uh, they he's like, "I'm sorry, we're out of the crawfish right now." And um, Joe Burrow is like, okay, I'm, you know, it is what it is. He's, he's kind of bummed out because he wanted to have the crawfish, but he's like, okay, it's, it's you know, it's fine. He's being polite. He's, he's like, I'll, I'll just find something else on the menu. And Ed Orgeron says, Coach O says, no, 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 no. Let, let me go talk to the guy in the back. So he goes and talks to the guy in the back. And then 20, he's like, bro, just wait here. It's going to be fine. 20 minutes later, they come in with a, a storage bin full of crawfish. <laughs> And, and put it in the back and come out and cook it up and bring it out to them. And Ed Orgeron and, and Joe Burrow spent the rest of the evening mowing down these crawfish. I mean, one, if that doesn't say this dude breeds, just lives and breathes Louisiana, then yep. I don't know what does. And if you I want to indoctrinate... Joe Burrow, right. Like, this this guy if this guy is willing to go above and beyond just to get me some crawfish, like right. what will he be willing to do when I when I when I need a, a a role model when I need a father figure when I need you know any of these things indoctrinated into Louisiana culture and and really be adopted by the state getting a storage bin of crawfish on your recruiting trip down to LSU is a damn good start. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that stick out in the kid's mind. They're like, this. This was a when you when you look back on your sports career, those are the moments where you're like, this was that was when I made my decision because that's that's a cool moment that won't happen 
anywhere else or with anybody else. Here's a question that I think is a, it's a stupid question, but it's a question that I have to ask. Okay. Does Ed Orgeron now become the the third Titan in college football? We we already have Saban at Alabama. We have Dabo at Clemson. Is Ed Orgeron the, the third Titan in this battle? Um, I think he has a chance to be, but I think he needs to win at least one more title first before I would put him up there. I mean, Saban and Saban has, has created the best dynasty that the sport has possibly ever seen. Um, and Dabo has only won twice, but I think it's fair to call Clemson a dynasty anyway. They've been in the playoff basically every year. No, they haven't missed. Yeah, they've been in, they've been in the championship game four out of five years. Uh, I think Ed, for Ed Orgeron to be that third-tier guy, I think he would have to win another title. Okay. But he's definitely of of the candidates. He's the one that's best suited because Urban Meyer is gone. I don't even Urban want to Meyer's talk about not. that guy. He not just because he coached Ohio State. I I I think if someone's overblown and and overrated, it's hundred percent Urban Meyer. Okay. Well, we we won't discuss that now. But uh, Urban Meyer is is retired, um, and I think. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has yet to win a first national title, so I don't think we can put him in that category quite yet. And as much as you and I love him, don't and, then, and every we, let me just say this because I haven't spoken about my beloved Michigan in quite some time. Okay, everyone that is pre just pleading for the University of Michigan to move on from Jim Harbaugh, you are dead wrong and yes. should just be quiet and your Twitter privileges should be revoked for like this the is, time being. You don't like you don't understand. Like Michigan was at its lowest point no, ever in program. I understand. I was over. watching the games. I Yeah. I was I'm not saying embarrassed. you I'm saying you to them don't understand. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like they were five and seven. That's only happened like three times in their history that they've had a losing record. And they they were five and he, he he's basically. I I saw this stat that was like during the during the span of time from uh, Lloyd Carr to Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football had the same overall record as Oregon State. Yeah, and we're in the so, Big Ten. Yeah, we're a foot. We were a football school. Now I think we're yeah. a basketball school, but our football program is still really, really good. And yeah, and, and it's it's a process. And you you have to remember also that they're doing this at the same time that Ohio State has had its biggest period of sustained success ever. So it's hard for two Titan programs like that to both be great at the same time. But anyways, yeah, enough about that. So. Jim Harbaugh has has to win a one first. And between the guys that have won one, I think Ed Orgeron is far more likely to win a second one sometime soon than Jimbo Fisher is. So I would I, I Jimbo would say is not, in like coaching purgatory at the at the moment. Yeah. I would say I would say uh, Coach O is not the third Titan yet. He's the third Titan of recruiting. 
Okay. But he's not he's not the third Titan of overall college football yet. There's still only two Titans. But out of all of the candidates, Coach O is the most likely to ascend to that Titan level in the near future. And maybe this is just recency bias, but I think he's there personally just because I mean you want to, you want to, if you're a college football player, you want to go to the place where you think you're going to win and try to get to the next level. And mm-hmm. Coach O has sh- showed through this st- this part of his coaching career with the recruiting classes that he's brought in that they are not just a defensive backs school. Right. They are a if you want to be a good offensive player, look at the wideouts that we've had. We just had the Heisman award-winning quarterback. I can coach quarterbacks too. I can coach running backs as well. You don't have to be cuz the old mantra of LSU and it still stands true to some extent with this LSU team was it was defense first. They were a right. defense like when I thought of LSU, it's like, oh, they they have a ridiculously good defense, a suspect quarterback, and maybe one or two offensive weapons that are pretty decent. Now you look at LSU and you're just like, well, um, they went to Alabama when Alabama had a damn good team and beat the snot out of them. Yeah. Like, the amount of first-round picks that Alabama's going to have this year is... Probably going to be more than LSU, if I'm being quite honest. I mean, yeah. I mean, LSU has got um, Joe Burrow, Grant Delpit, Justin Jefferson. And Adama has Jedrick Wills, Jerry Judy, Tua. um, I'm forgetting the defensive back's name, but he's going to go pretty high. So, yeah, we've already got four. That's more than LSU is going to have. And they went in but, there and beat them. So, yeah. Clemson's probably got more this year. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's it, it's went from a defensive school to, I mean, LSU was was run through Joe Burrow, and every, he carried them through the the entire year. I mean, sixty touchdowns is sixty touchdowns, no matter where, which way you slice it. Whether you're going up against West. Carolina State or Clemson, like Burrow can put them up and put them up in bunches. Yeah, and it was an you don't put up sixty touchdowns if you don't have decent offensive weapons, and his offensive weapons were more than decent, and that's because Coach O went and recruited. He put his feet down and recruited, and that was one thing that I was shocked by. Well, not shocked by, but reassured by. When he when uh, SVP was was interviewing him after the uh, after the win, and he said, "I'm getting on the phone tonight, and we're going down to to someone's house tomorrow." Like it, he doesn't stop, and that's to me why he's won one, and he's gonna win another one in the near future. I, I don't know if he's yeah. gonna repeat, but he's gonna win one. In the near future, he's around to stay, and that's why I think he's the Titan. All right. The third Titan. At, there, there are three 
Titans in college football, in my opinion, and then there's everybody else, and Dabo and and uh, Saban had to pull up a chair for Ed Orgeron, and I mean, if you thought Dabo was a character, I mean, come on. Ed Orgeron is the ultimate character. I mean, he's been called a cartoon character in year, in years past. Yeah, they, they've called him the Cajun cookie monster. Who else does a Hummer commercial? For nobody else. Like... Who else, who else brings a bucket of crawfish into the restaurant? If you don't know that... If you haven't seen that Ed Orgeron Hummer commercial, it's not like all-time material, but it, it's it's pretty damn good. It's just... It's so funny, especially because you know that it's him. Yeah. Tell them about it, Jojo. <laughs> they are here. Oh my God. Um, let's let's end this by um, by previewing a little bit of next. Actually, let's let's transition to um, to NFL really quickly because okay. we got Championship Sunday right now. Yeah, going off in a few hours. Going off 3 p.m. Eastern time. The first game is the Kansas City Chiefs versus how the hell did they get here? Tennessee Titans. Yeah. With, I mean, the battering ram of Derrick Henry versus the absolute bazooka of an arm of Patrick Mahomes, which I think is the, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. All this Lamar talk, I think, is just, I mean, People forgot how good Mahomes was because of the injuries this year, because he had to take some time off, and Lamar was just a comet that has been going a thousand miles an hour since kickoff of week one. Who do you got in the first game? Why? And uh, that's it. Yeah. Who do you got in the first game and, and why? I'm probably going to shock you. I have the Tennessee Titans. Why? Because I am shocked. I think, I, I, think, I think there's a few things that are factoring into this decision. Um, number one is Derrick Henry, first and foremost. Derrick Henry has been an absolute beast for two straight weeks. They took down the Patriots. They took down the Ravens. And the Ravens have a better defense than the Chiefs do especially a better run defense. And Derrick Henry rushed all over them. Derrick Henry, he's hard to bring down. He's playing at a high level right now. The offensive line is playing great as well. I think Derrick Henry is going to run all over the Chiefs today. And I think the Holmes is going to have a few sling and touchdown passes. But because of Derrick Henry and because the Chiefs don't have a really solid like ground punisher running back on their side, I think Tennessee is going to be able to eat up a ton of clock and just win the, the, the time of possession battle, and that's going to be the deciding factor. I think Tennessee wins a close game. I mean, if you're Tennessee, you have to do that. You have to flip this on its head and say, we're going to grind you out, and the final score of this game is going to be like 17-10. to 10. You yeah. can't get in a shootout with Mahomes, and... That's yeah, what Ryan th- Tannehill is not going to win a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Vrabel can can withstand the punches that Mahomes and, and Andy Reid 
can dish out. And that's what they've done. I mean, they, they've taken two... Uh, the Patriots will do the exact same thing and just kill you by a thousand paper cuts. But Vrabel did it better than, than Belichick. And then they mm-hmm. slowed down. I mean, they grinded that Baltimore game to a halt. Uh, yeah, it did. It looked like the Ravens didn't play in a month because basically they didn't because they were sick and then had two weeks off. Mm-hmm. But they grinded that game to a halt and took it over, played their style of football, gave the ball to Derrick Henry. I think if you're the Chiefs, you look at it, you go, we have home field advantage. We came back from 24 down, and we're not afraid of anybody because... Houston's better than than Tennessee, and we just beat Houston, and we came back, and we put up 50 on Houston, so I think Mahomes is just going to light this Tennessee defense on fire, and it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think they're going to, the, me saying it's a close game, I think it's a 14-point game. Because Tennessee's only offensive weapon is Derrick Henry. They're basically mm. doing what Vrabel's doing with Tannehill, what, the, what Rex Ryan did with, with, with Sanchez, is just don't kill us. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to run the ball effectively. When we have to pass, please just don't kill us. <laughs> and so far, Ryan Tannehill has not killed the Tennessee Titans. So... Not even need Ryan Tannehill to pass. I mean, Derrick Henry threw a great uh, shovel pass the other day. Yeah, but <clears throat> you're gonna—they're going to get in in third down situations, and I know they've played in some tough atmospheres. But Arrowhead, there's a reason why they hold the decibel level record, and I don't know if Tennessee is prepared to play in that type of atmosphere, especially if they get down early. Yeah, if they get down early, I think they're going to run into a lot of trouble because then they'll have to start passing their way to a victory. And I, like I said, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to pass his way to a victory against Patrick Mahomes. Tannehill has played really well. What's that? Tannehill has played really well and he's going to get himself a lot of money, but... He's he's good. He he's just not good enough to go. In my opinion, good enough to go into Arrowhead and face off against Mahomes and come out the victor. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But because I was wrong about Baltimore, mm-hmm. and as much as I love them beating New England, I rooted against them, and I'm gonna root against the underdog again here. But that's just me. That that. That's, again, I could be dead wrong, and you can come back to this podcast tomorrow and call me an idiot on Twitter. That's fine. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll own it. But let's move. I would never call you an idiot. Let, let's transition to the NFC. The, the game that I really want to see, the yes. game that I think is going to be telling for a lot of reasons, the Green Bay Packers going to San Francisco 
for the second time this year to face off against Richard Sherman, Jimmy G, and the San Francisco 49ers. I have the road team. I have Aaron Rodgers. I've had the pack from preseason until now. I've said on air on WBCR and on here that I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC, that they should represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking by it. I think a lot of people, especially with the Jimmy G spotting of the first down, which I'm more inclined to, I've been back and forth on this, but I'm more inclined to say that they were a little short on that spotting than they got it right. I don't think that spot would have mattered in the grand scheme of things because I just think Green Bay was better in that game. And one shady first down call with three minutes to go or whatever it was, They didn't get hosed. Everybody's saying that uh, that Seattle got hosed. They didn't get hosed. It was one maybe bad call because I've seen some, some angles where it is a first down and some angles where it looks like he's a half a yard short. Right. So it, it's a judgment call. They, they, in their minds, think that they got it right because they have the angles to prove it. Anyway, I still think Green Bay is a better team. I think they are definitely better than, than San Francisco, even though San Francisco, in their own mind, is going to be around for a while. Yep. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy G. It's a quarterback-driven league, and I'm going with a guy who looks to be back at his Super Bowl-winning ways against Jimmy G, who has one career playoff win. Yeah. Against Kirk Cousins, of all people. Come on. To disagree again, I'm going to go with San Francisco. Tell me why. And you're right, it is a quarterback driven league, but it's also defense wins championships, and San Francisco has by far the best defense in the game. I think um, Nick Bosa against the Packers offensive line is a uh, dangerous matchup. I think he's going to have Aaron Rodgers on the ground multiple times. Is he going up against Bulaga? Yes. That's a... I believe so. I mean, if I, and this is just football nerd because I love offensive line play so much. If I could have a camera on that matchup as well as a camera on the entire game, I would love it. That's a matchup. That's a matchup to watch. And if you're a casual football fan, you're like, get the hell out of here. A defensive lineman versus an offensive lineman. That is going to be, I mean, that's, whoever wins that matchup might win the game, honestly. And let's not forget the um, the 49ers routed the Packers earlier this year. Well, that's because there, there's been reports about this. The Packers were partying a little bit too much in San Francisco the night before that game. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, in any event, um, I think defense is going to be the deciding factor here. Um, I think the, the San Francisco secondary is very good. They'll be able to, to put a stop to... Um, the, the Packers receivers. Um, I think Aaron Jones will pose a bit of a problem. I think Aaron Jones is going to be more of a key in this game than Aaron Rodgers, actually. Aaron Rodgers is going to play great because he always does. But because the, the San Francisco pass defense is so good, I think they're going to have to rely on Aaron Jones quite a bit. And I'm okay with but, that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. 100% okay yeah. with it. 
San Francisco's <coughs> got so many offensive weapons that they can score with, with Matt Breida in the running game and Mostert in the running game, and then Emmanuel Sanders and uh, George Kittle. George Kittle's a matchup nightmare. Who's covering him on the Green Bay defense? That's like saying and, who's covering him in the NFL. Nobody. They have Gronk. Yeah. And, and Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant young coach. I think this is... So is Matt LaFleur. What's that? So is Matt LaFleur. So is Matt LaFleur, yeah, okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think San Francisco, and with the, uh, the home field advantage, San Francisco comes out on top. And remember this, too. Jimmy G has one playoff win. Yes, he does. But he also has, like, this amazing habit of always playing his best games when he's against other great quarterbacks. We saw this earlier in the year when he played Aaron Rodgers. We saw this when he played Drew Brees and won the shootout with Drew Brees, 48-46. to I think we can see a similar phenomenon happen here. It's a good point. I'm the 49ers. It's a good point, but I don't know. I have a feeling that this is the, the 2011 championship game where it's where it was the Niners and Giants. Mm-hmm. I have and the a Giants fe- just grinded out the win. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen in this Packers-Niners game. Is It's going to be... We have two high-flying offenses, and we have two very good defenses. The Packers' defense doesn't get enough credit. Um, they have a really, really good defense. I think the defenses are going to shine in this game. And, again, if, if I have to grind it out, I'm leaning on Aaron Rodgers more than I'm re- leaning on Jimmy G. That might change in, like, three years, but for now, I'm going with the man who's done it and who has a ring on his finger. Right. I don't care that Shanahan's more of an, an experienced head coach. Shanahan has one playoff win. Same as LaFleur. Yeah. I don't know. It's going we'll to be really fun. It will be. I think both games will be close. And I've got the Titans and Niners in the Super Bowl. Mine is the favorites, Chiefs-Packers. And... That's part of the journalist in me too, because if you're if you're a journalist, you root for the story, and the mm-hmm. bigger the bigger story is Rogers versus Mahomes, and not Jimmy G versus Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, <laughs> but it's all it's all that that star power too, and it would. I'm sure people in the depths of the NFL commissioner's office are rooting the same way I am because it would be a show right after a Super Bowl where it was the winning team had nine points. Oh, yeah. After one of the most boring Super Bowls in recent memory, to have a Aaron Rodgers-Mahomes Super Bowl would be great. Yeah, that, I mean, that has the potential to be like that Rams-Chiefs game from last year. It was like 51 to Oh, yeah, the, the, you mean the, J, the, the game that we lost, John? That he's, I mean, he died because of so much orgasming that he, he's not the same, he was a changed man after he watched that game. He was a changed man indeed. He, that was, um, he loves that. I think that's his favorite football game of all time, honestly. And he's seen two Super Bowls. He's seen his team win two Super Bowls, and I think a Monday night football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Rams is his favorite football game ever. 
I can't hate on him for it. It's a great game. It's a, it's a seven on seven. It's a, that is a big 12 game. <laughs> it is. Stop it. No, it is. And I've clowned on the Chiefs a lot, calling them the, the extended seven on seven team. Yep. But, hey, you got the best quarterback in the league. You can do whatever the hell you want. All right, now it's time to uh, to end the podcast. Plug your stuff, movie recommendation, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So, um, uh, my name is Nick Parodies, as you all know. I'm an actor and a filmmaker. Um, I'm currently working on the RST video documentary. Uh, project is still untitled. And you're um, are- sorry to cut you off, but you reminded me of the film that Dixon put out. I think on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, Where the Supreme. Yes. Great I, documentary. I will tweet it out. I'm, I'm sorry, Dixon, that I ha- I didn't tweet it out after I watched it the first time. I will tweet it out, and it, it's just, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like to, to get inside the mind of this guy. Yeah, it's amazing. So I'll tweet it out, and that, that's my movie recommendation, is, is friend of the show and friend in general. Matt Dixon's documentary. It, it was actually going to be mine as well, so I'm, I'm glad you took the words right out of my mouth. All right, so continue <laughs> yeah, with... I mean, definitely. I, I mean, stepped on your toes. Continue. He, no, it's okay. It's okay. Because we're getting the word out about this project. He's really proud of it. I mean, I'm. he should be. It's, it's a really great job that he did. Um, it's a fascinating subject, this guy, Vermin Supreme, who... Is the kind of seen as this joke political candidate, and he has a lot of crazy beliefs. Like everyone in America will get a pony, everyone will be forced to brush their teeth. <laughs> but like, I mean, he sat down with Vermin Supreme and talked to him and, and made this this little movie about it. And I mean, he's he told me he tells me he said this guy's serious. He wants to be the president, and he wants to enact change. He's just got a very strange way of showing it. And that's what the movie's about. I highly recommend it to people. He's also a strange-looking character. Yes, he wears a boot on his head and has a giant um, ZZ Top beard. We've talked about him before. I don't know. I think we've talked about him on the show before. We we probably have. I'm sure we have. In in 170 something episodes, I'm I'm positive that we've talked about him before. But yeah, go watch that documentary. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top wearing a rain boot on his head and running for president. You have you have another movie recommendation? Oh, and plug your plug your plug your shit. I'm sorry, I'm stepping all over you. This is a mess at the end of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Take the floor back. So I'm, I'm working on the RST doc right now. Um, project is still untitled, but we're looking to get some some good um some some good interviews for you all. Um, it's coming along nicely. Um, you can follow me at Nick Parodies on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Snapchat, all of that shit, whatever. Um, and uh, I, I don't have a, I don't have another movie recommendation in mind per se, but I did buy tickets to Jay and Silent Bob reboot recently, hmm. so I'm very excited for that. On this side of the coin, uh, not the fake Jay Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. I have my. My Hall of Fame ballot for 2020 for the for Major League Baseball is almost done. It's about 98% done. I'm putting the fine 
finishing touches on it, finishing edit, editing it, all that, and all that stuff. That'll be out tomorrow at some point. That is Monday the 20th, the day before the Hall of Fame class is announced. And, of course, this podcast. If, if you've made it this far, please like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Um, we're going. We're, we're back on a, on a sort of semi-regular schedule. We have two podcasts coming up next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Back on the OG schedule. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited to be back recording podcasts again. And we have to get on the secret project soon, buddy. Soon. Yes. Real soon. And that'll be out Real soon. before pitchers and catchers. And I can't wait for baseball season. All this talk about the Astros this week has just made me just want to watch games again. Just let's play, just play the game. Just, just let, please play I the know. game. It's time. It's January, I have the itch. I mean, I'm kind of bummed because Alex Cora is gone now. But um, That cheater? I like Alex Cora. I don't... He's a cheat. I, I, I have, like, he, you, you guys have... have have um, gone at me for this take, and I don't care. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't care. I know I should care as a sports. You should. Fan, I know I should care, but I just I don't know why I don't. But I don't. It's because it's not your team yet. Yeah, that's true. And your team didn't get hosed by this team. Yeah, that does make that. Uh, you do raise an excellent point. If your team was the team that got hosed, you'd be up in arms about this. You'd be in the same camp as John and I. Yeah, you're probably right. And to the coward Jose, or to the coward Alex Bregman, and to the absolute buffoon Jose Altuve, grow a pair and own this. Why did Why did Bregman say that stuff? Like, what possessed him to just kind of play it off like it wasn't a thing? Because he doesn't. He doesn't want to own up to it. I know, but like, just like, wh- why say that? Why not just dodge the question if you're going to be a pussy about it? Why that, that's like, his. Look, that's we're his, not talking about that. That's his way of dodging the question. The commissioner did his report. Well, yeah, we know the commissioner did his report. We're asking you because you were in the report. You can't just keep dodging. And I said this on the podcast that we did. That I put out with John. You, you, mm-hmm. you're. It's inexcusable. You have to answer these questions. You can't just keep doing this. It's like when there's a political scandal and like um, everybody's like, "Oh, we're not going to talk about that." Like, yeah, you are. Why? You have you to. You have to. You owe. You're, you're, you're you owe it to, the to people. You owe it. Yes, you're a public figure. You're going to be asked these questions. You, we owe owed answers. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is the line of work that you chose. You love this game, but there's parts to the game that are. Mandatory, and this is mandatory. I'm, I'm, I'm working up a lather here. I, 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 <laughs> I need to get. I need to. We need to end this podcast because I got, I got shit to do today. I got places to be. So okay, me too. To the to Bregman to Altuve to the Astros organization. Just one last fuck you before before the season starts. I'm I'm done <laughs> talking about this until games are act, meaningful games are actually being played, or the Red Sox get get pinned 
That is my caveat. Until the Red Sox punishment is is divvied out, I'm done talking about anything that has to do with this cheating scandal because I just want to watch the games. I want to watch the the sport that I love. And I want to watch football, damn it. It's going to be a good weekend of football. Or a good day of football, excuse me. All right, so this is where we end the, the podcast. And if you've been around for a while, you know how the saying goes. But if, you, if you're new to the, to the, the Grind Hours ways, well, welcome. This, this was a great podcast for you to join. But, um, it really was. We take the ending of the podcast from the sweet words of Semisonic. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.